Welcome to episode 7 of the first 40 miles. If you're new to backpacking, or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is The First 40 Miles. Today on The First 40 Miles, the top five ways to use an umbrella while backpacking, the summit gear review, We'll review a piece of clothing that's as basic as it gets. The backpack hack of the week. We'll show you the Swiss way to start the day. And we'll wrap up the show with a little trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, author and explorer, Ranulf Fiennes. All this, and that's about it, today on The First 40 Miles. So Josh, you have a lot of backpacking experience, especially as a 12-year-old Boy Scout. Have you ever seen a 12-year-old Boy Scout carrying a 50-pound pack? Uh, 50 pounds, maybe not, but they do get pretty heavy, and especially for Boy Scouts, because they don't necessarily have the money to spend on all the lightest gear. Well, you know, I've heard it's not the scouts that pack their stuff, but the moms who pack the gear. And they'll say, oh, he needs an extra fill in the blank. (laughs) And she'll stuff in an extra granola bar or an extra, you know, pair of socks. And it's the moms that load up the Boy Scouts packs. Yeah, that may happen, too. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Definitely, the mom could come along and say, hey, you need this, you need that, you know, just in case, without really understanding that when it comes to backpacking, no, you don't want that. (laughs) Well, actually, there was an article in the news recently that talked about pack weight and how smaller individuals can actually maybe carry more pack weight than their larger friends. You know, it sounds counterintuitive, but what they actually found out was that bigger people have to carry their own weight as well. And so they're actually less capable of carrying their pack weight than smaller people are. According to the model, they said that a 22 kilogram pack for a 50 kilogram hiker will actually feel like a 15 kilogram pack for a 110 kilogram hiker. That made no sense. It didn't make sense to me. It's not going to make sense to anyone. I read that sentence five times, I think, before I got it. Okay. So I think what it's saying is, um, well, and I had to put it into my own, you know, American (laughs) conceptualization here. So to make it easy, let's say a 100-pound person versus a 200-pound person. And essentially his model is saying that the 100-pound person Uh, could be carrying 40 pounds as easily as the 200-pound person could be carrying 30 pounds. So that's interesting. I mean, one person weighs twice as much as the other. His model actually says that that heavier person should be carrying less weight than the lighter person. Because they're carrying their own personal weight as well. Well, it's kind of like the example that he gave of an elephant uprooting a tree versus an ant picking up a potato chip. Yeah, so the the elephant can uproot this really heavy tree. But if you compare the tree to the weight of the elephant, yeah, it's no big deal. Uh, Then you take the ant, I mean, they carry many times their own weight and seem to do it easily. 
We don't recommend packing more just because you can, but it's nice to know that petite folks may have an advantage on the trail. I remember our recent backpacking trip that we took with a group that had a range in body weights um, from people that were probably in the 120 pound range uh, up to people that were probably around 200 pounds. The heaviest guys had the heaviest packs. I think they both had 50 pound packs. They survived, but you could see that it was much more difficult with all that extra weight. Now their packs were the same percentage of their body weight as my pack was and as your pack was, but that really didn't do it. Uh, it. It really came down to just that absolute weight of the pack. The heavier it is, the slower you're gonna go, no matter how big you are. A very, very interesting. It really goes against the, the conventional wisdom that everyone's been saying. Hey, you know, twenty-five percent, thirty-five or thirty percent of your body weight—that's the right range. Uh, maybe not. Well, keep it light. That's the best advice we can give you. I agree. For today's top five list, the top five ways to use an umbrella while backpacking. It actually has some really great uses on the trail. And the number one use for an umbrella while backpacking is to protect yourself from rain. Imagine that. Yeah, actually, it's really great for instant rain protection when there is an all of a sudden downpour. When you don't have time to get on your rain suit, you just pop out your umbrella and you have instant rain protection and then you can spend time getting your pack ready and getting your rain suit on. Don't take it as your only form of rain protection because there is also something that comes along with the rain and that's usually the wind. So you can have rain that hits you sideways and an umbrella isn't really gonna do a great job of protecting you against that. So an umbrella is the ultimate in breathable rain gear. It's really nice that way. But yeah, when the wind starts to blow, which often accompanies the rain, then you've got problems uh, with the umbrella. Do you remember Gnarl Ridge on the east side of Mount Hood? That was when the rain didn't come down. It came sideways. Right. We had had a beautiful week of hiking, and then we, we had this one morning that a storm was coming in and we could see it coming and sense it coming. So we all stopped and put on our rain gear, rain coats, rain pants. Oh, and, do we have to relive this right now? <laughs> and you pulled out your umbrella. <laughs> because what do you do when it starts raining? Yeah, well, you know, you had read that that a lot of people swear by their umbrellas when mm -hmm. they go hiking. It's, it's really surprising. Um, a lot of people just love it uh, as a form of rain protection. I know some of the guys on the hike felt sorry for you, and one of them was actually carrying some Tyvek in his pack. Yeah, this was one of the 50-pound packs, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, we all kind of made this makeshift Tyvek wrap around you, kind of around around your legs. And uh, Oh, someone else gave me a garbage bag to wear. And a garbage bag to wear yes. up top, that's right, yeah. And then started back up hiking, and of course the wind picked up. And as you said, the rain was coming sideways. We could see it just going straight in front of us. We were on this windswept ridge with no trees, uh, a few glaciers actually, uh, just completely exposed to the wind and the sideways rain. And the nice thing was that uh, it lasted just that morning. 
And in the afternoon, the rain went away, the wind went away, and you were able to dry out again. So you were okay. <laughs> but That's you right. did earn yourself a couple of um, nicknames, I think. <laughs> you looked like a Tibetan. <laughs> that was one of them. But the one that really stuck was Tyvek Queen. <laughs> oh, boy. I hope I shake that one. <laughs> well, if you're going to be taking an umbrella for rain, another thing that it's really great for is intermittent rain. So if you have rain that's, you know, turning on and off throughout the day and you don't want to put on your rain suit and it's not really that windy, it's not really that cold, then an umbrella is a great way to protect yourself against sporadic intermittent rain. The number two use for an umbrella while backpacking is a parasol. If you choose not to protect yourself in the sun, then you're going to be drinking a lot more water. You'll have the sun beating down on you, you'll be parched, and if you use an umbrella to protect yourself against the sun and the heat, the weight of the umbrella is actually less than the extra weight of the water that you would have to carry to compensate for the amount of heat that your body is absorbing. You can get a decent umbrella for about $10 and it's gonna weigh about seven ounces. The number three way that you can use an umbrella while you're backpacking is as a windscreen for starting a fire or for cooking. Umbrellas are notorious for popping open backwards <laughs> in really windy conditions. But if you're trying to cook a meal and if you're trying to start a fire, you just kind of need a little bit of protection around the area that you're trying to you know, start a fire in. The number four way to use an umbrella while backpacking is as a temporary micro shelter. So rain gear can cover your whole body, but an umbrella can actually cover a small area. So it can cover a map while you're trying to look at it. It can cover, like I said, the fire or a match when you're trying to light it. And we used an umbrella in that sort of way on a recent camping trip when we were trying to start a fire. So it was handy to be able to hold the umbrella up above the fire pit so that we could work on that fire and try to get something that wouldn't get too wet while we tried to get that fire going. <laughs> oh, our tinder burned amazingly. Yeah, and that was it. <laughs> so <laughs> The kindling we, was waterlogged. <laughs> we never got that fire going. But we got a lot of um, cotton balls burning and we got a candle burning. It was pretty amazing. And, uh, yeah, I guess. that fire pit. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it was sad. <laughs> it was so pitiful. What, half an hour working on that fire. But yeah. anyway, yeah, you can use an umbrella to protect your fire while you're trying to start it. If you need to use it to cover an area while you're working on an injury or trying to do first aid on someone, it's really helpful. It can also be used as a rain decontamination area. So if you are wearing your rain suit and you're trying to get dried off quickly before you get into your tent, you can hold the umbrella over you and get your rain gear off and all kind of wiped down before you get into your tent. <clears throat> and the number five way to use an umbrella while you're backpacking is as a privacy screen for potty breaks. Just remember to take it with you when you're done going potty. And don't forget it like I did last time. <laughs> Here on the first 40 miles, we created the Summit Gear Review. It's the most comprehensive gear review system for backpacking gear. It gives you a 360 unbiased look at backpacking gear before it goes into your pack. Summit stands for structure, utility, mass, maintenance, investment, and trial. 
And today on the Summit Gear Review, we are reviewing the smart wool hat called the lid. Structure. Now this hat is a smart wool product and I had purchased some other things from smart wool and I kind of assumed that everything produced by that company was 100% wool. I didn't read the tag, I just assumed and found out later on that it's actually 50% merino wool and 50% acrylic. The hat is sewn together at the top to form kind of a rounded top and it has very little stretch to it. So you're not really gonna be able to pull it down or kind of snug it down um, around your ears. Utility, this is a hat. It's about as basic as you can get has a built-in two and a half inch headband liner that doubles the warmth around your ear area, but didn't quite cover the ears all the way. Mass, it was 2.2 ounces, and it fits head sizes 21.6 to 23.6 inches. My head is about 22 inches. You know, it fit fine around my head. It's just, I don't like my ears to be cold. <laughs> I think I would have wanted it to be a little bit longer. That's yeah, frustrating to have your ears sort of halfway insulated. <laughs> Maintenance. This is a hat that you can machine wash cold, tumble cool, and on the tag it says cool iron when needed. So if your hat gets wrinkly, just pull out your cool iron and you can iron it with your cool iron. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'll do that like never. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can also just hand wash it or, or line dry it. It doesn't need any real special care, except for the cool iron. <laughs> Investment, it was a $30 hat. And I guess what, what was kind of disappointing about this was I thought that I was paying for a 100% merino wool hat. I've read a lot about merino wool and it's an incredible material. So buyer beware, read the tags before you buy things, regardless of the brand's reputation. Part of the criteria for investment in our gear review is value. If you're gonna pay $30, then you've gotta get $30 worth of value out of the product. And I think $30 for this hat was too much cost, not enough value. I bought my wool hat online, just kind of, you know, read up on some hats, found one that wasn't too expensive, bought it, it came and ended up being great. Uh, I paid just $20 for it. It's 100% merino wool, uh, 2.4 ounces, so it's about the same weight as yours. Uh, the brand is called Minus 33. It's been a great hat for me. It covers my ears all the way. <laughs> it stretches enough to fit over my head. Uh, I even am able to wear it under my bicycle helmet when I go biking, uh, so it's not overly thick. So that's what I found just by a quick kind of online search buying something that I thought was reasonably priced in a, a brand that I didn't necessarily recognize, but it's turned out well for me. It was surprising to hear that the Smart Wool brand hat was not 100% wool. And I've purchased other things from them and I've been extremely happy. I guess they're a company that's experiencing a lot of growth, so they may have decided to offer some other products that were you know, partially wool. I'm not exactly sure why, but I, I actually did contact the company. I emailed them and told them what happened and how I was disappointed. And they sent back a really nice reply and said, we're so sorry. We, 
you know, we want you to be happy, so take it back to the store or you can send it back to us and we'll exchange it for something that you will love. And so even though I was disappointed with the actual product, I was really happy with the amazing customer service. And that says a lot about a company when they can, I guess, accept their mistakes and when they do everything to make the customer happy. I recommend the company. This product, not so much. Yeah, read those product labels. <laughs> That's right. Read the product labels. Don't just don't just buy something based on the brand name. Well, when I tried this hat out, I actually I wore it on our trip around Mount Hood and it was a dry trip most of the time. I was usually wearing the hat to bed and um on the day that it did get a little bit rainy, I was still wearing the hat and it got wet like around, what, noon is when it started raining. Yeah. And the hat itself is um, fairly thick. I mean, thick enough to be a good insulating hat, but it held water, and I couldn't wear it to bed that night because it was still wet. And that was after letting it air dry on the outside of my pack and letting the sun hit it. If it were 100% merino wool, it may have repelled the water better and it would have been even warmer when wet than the 50-50 blend. Maybe you're a backpacker on a budget or maybe you're just a do-it-yourself geek. I am both. I love to save money and use my creativity to make something useful. So today's backpack hack of the week is Swiss muesli. Muesli is just kind of a mix of all sorts of things. All you do is add your liquid to this mix of oats and nuts and flavors. So it's a really simple breakfast. But I'm going to give you a recipe today that actually you can pre-make, put in a Ziploc bag, and take with you on the trail. The recipe that I'm going to give you comes in at 642 calories. That's about 115 calories an ounce for this 5.6 ounce breakfast. Swiss muesli is full of fiber. It's long lasting and it has protein. And it's a no cook breakfast, which is always kind of nice when you just wanna get out on the trail. You'll need a half cup of regular oats, two tablespoons of Neato whole milk powder, so that's that milk powder that we talked about on the last episode, N-I-D-O. And you'll find it in the Mexican food aisle. You'll need two tablespoons of chia seeds, one tablespoon of brown sugar, and one-fourth cup of chopped cashews. And really, you can substitute any nut there. You'll just want to mix it and store it in a plastic bag. When you're ready to make it, just add water, enough to kind of hydrate it, and you can either make it in the plastic bag that you stored it in, or some people like to use an empty peanut butter jar. So there you go, Swiss muesli on the trail. So you've devised it with, with the Neato milk powder to where the milk is kind of built in to the muesli. You just add water, and you've got your muesli plus milk at that point. That's, that's pretty clever. And this comes in at 115 calories per ounce, so it's... Maybe a little bit on the low end of what we like to see, but pretty close. It's still uh, packing a pretty good punch. On a recent trip that we took, you prepared some wonderful granola that I took on that trip. In a future episode, I think we're going to need to share that granola recipe. I had that granola every morning of that trip, along with some pre-cooked bacon 
And it was just wonderful. I loved it. I think even compared to my dinners or my trail foods, um, that granola was my highlight meal every day. It just, for some reason, that was exactly what I needed when I got up in the morning. So uh, try out the muesli and then let's uh, let's give them the granola recipe too. Uh, one of these times that, yeah, I loved it. Well, we'll leave you with a little trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, author and explorer, Ranulf Fiennes. He said, there is no such thing as bad weather, only inappropriate clothing. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you liked this podcast, like us on Facebook, The First 40 Miles. See you next time on The First 40 Miles. Thank you.